drive a present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later. The Home Star Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. Trek West 5 is brought to you in part by RocketWebDesign.com, custom web design at template website prices. Designs by Dee.blogspot.com, your online home for all your digital scrapbooking needs. Need a home along the Wasatch Front? Contact Lisa DeBagere with Kirkham and Friends Real Estate. No one will work harder for your home. And thehomestarmy.com, blogging to the world since 2004. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 138. I am Peter. And I am Joey. And uh, we're joined here this evening by the father of our podcast, my friend John Madsen. Hello! Dub in the crowd noise, thank you. Did you did you catch the crowd noise? Uh, yeah, it was pretty loud. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted it to sound authentic, like all those people that were actually here cheering. Yeah. I wanted to try and emulate that as much as possible since we talked over them. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Uh, and then we also have the mother of the podcast, <laughs> Curtis. Very nice. So I just want to thank I'm mom and dad sure for making us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I couldn't come up with anything. Mother was the quickest thing that I that came to mind. But uh, Curtis is here, who really only steps in for poetry podcasts. No. Um, <laughs> you came book, for a poetry book book, 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 book yeah, review. Book, yeah. I thought you came on a poetry night. But I guess that was just Annie, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Book podcasts. Well, we'll have you back for one of those. Uh, but this is Firefly, so you, you're excited to talk about Firefly. Yeah. Yeah. So Curtis is actually the one who introduced me to Firefly. Just wanted to mention that in case people had forgotten who it was that told me to watch them in the correct order. <laughs> Don't Excellent. start with the train job. <laughs> no matter what Fox told you, that's the wrong way to watch it. <laughs> The worst thing ever that's been on TV. I hated it. Except I kind of liked it. <laughs> uh, okay, everyone. It's been, uh, I assume, uh, an equally crappy week for everyone. Yeah. yeah it's, I'm tired. Tired, yeah. Uh, it was crappy for me, so I guess we won't bother to go into the, all of that because it's boring. Nice. Um, announcements? What do we got to announce? We're, we're slowly adding to our, our collection of hardware for our eventual recording studio. That's right. We're actually we're recording on a new microphone tonight. Yep, we are. Yeah, as well. It's not, one of the, it's not one of the the fancy ones, but... Yeah, we... It, yeah. It's, it's pretty fancy. It's, it's shiny. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely shiny. And it feels heavy. The camera's looking right... At my crotch. Because there's a camera on it. <laughs> well, jo- Joey any, said it there. I don't have any video catch it. To be fair, I said it there before he sat down. <laughs> just let me clear about this. Hey, yeah, I was just saying. I knew what I was doing. What, what What's disturbing is the fact of how much you've, you know, spread your legs since you've sat down there. <laughs> uh, uh, I became a man. <laughs> excellent. Thank you, Seth. Set him up. <laughs> Knock it out of the park. Well done, sir. Um, anyway, uh, we also have, uh, the bell sitting here, uh, so if anyone feels like ringing the bell for some reason, you may do so. 
just ha let's have an explanation as to why you rang the bell. Mine was to announce that we have the bell. Okay. It probably shouldn't be right next to the microphone. Because <laughs> that, I'm sure a lot of people just yanked earbuds out of there. <laughs> I'll just have Joey edit the sound down on that. It didn't quite clip. <laughs> I mean, it was getting pretty close, but it still had, I still had space. I'm good. Oh, funny. Um, okay, so welcome everyone. Uh, Curtis, seriously, glad that you could be here. Um, we always like having you here. Plus, in general, it's just nice to see you. And the blackmail. <laughs> I'm not aware of blackmail. Are you blackmailing him? <laughs> I didn't think I was, but, you know, if he thinks I am, then I say we let him continue okay. to do that. We'll see what else we can get out of this. <laughs> wow, Curtis, you almost got them to admit the blackmail and you'd be off scot-free. Better luck next time. Um, okay, let's uh, go ahead and jump into Facebook Find of the Week. Uh, before we get into Facebook Find of the Week, I actually just remembered something. Something I had a conversation with John about last night, right. which was the 48-hour movie film, film, project, film yeah. thing. Yes. It's over, and that's why I've been tired this week, and it was horrible, but enjoyable, and good, and fun, and I'll post the video. Yeah, because we, we definitely yeah. want to see it. It's only seven minutes long, so... Uh, we're... I, I, I watched the 15-second trailer. 11 seconds. 11 seconds. <laughs> It, I watched it three times. It, it was it was funny, and I was concerned, like, wait, that is funny. How can this be? This is supposed to be a drama. Right. Well, yeah, let's, let's back up. Okay, so the way it works, we have 48 hours to make a film, but we don't know what the film is going to be about technically, and to make sure that we don't do anything in advance, which a lot of people, we kind of found out, did do stuff in advance, kind of against the rules, but um, they give us a genre, a character with a specific trait, uh, a, a line of dialogue that has to be said verbatim in the film, and a prop. Um, and so we get there, and uh, we drew drama, which we're all like, oh, <laughs> so I guess we can't be funny in this, and kind of, oh, uh, whatever. And uh, our uh, the prop that we have was a watch, the line of dialogue was something like, and I have to say the dialogue in the movie, and I can't remember what it is now. I meant to tell you a few days ago. He was a great actor. Yeah, remembered his lines really well. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and let's see. And then the character is named Al Crofton, and this person is supposed to be related to someone famous. And so we had to craft a story around that. We ultimately decided to went, go, like, really kind of lo-fi, had a cast of three people, and we decided to do a movie pretty much in real time. So it's the movie six minutes long with credits at seven minutes. And so it's six minutes of... Of, of you. I mean, of, actually seeing six minutes uh, of us. And, and I kind of wanted to do, like, if we could do it, like a one long six-minute continuous shot. But I knew, one, there's no way that I could memorize two pages of dialogue. <laughs> um, and two... Uh, once we started going, and this is based on an idea I've had for a long time that I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about because it's, it, it would take ten minutes to talk about it and may as well watch the movie. The may as well watch the six minute movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so, um, yeah, it's an idea I've had for a long time and I, and I lobby for it and everything, but we had some, like, serious, uh, lighting and sound issues that kind of made things a little bit rough, but I hate even saying this, I'm so sad, uh, because of rendering issues that we didn't foresee, and because of 
faulty instruction that was given to us on how to do it properly according to their format, uh, we wound up being an hour late turning it in, which made us disqualified for competition. But they still showed it at the thing. And I think we got a, a, a pretty okay response. We knew we wouldn't get an excellent response because at those kind of things, you kind of want to laugh. And we didn't really make people laugh that much. There were some Twitters there. Twitters, tweet, well, yeah, little teehees here and there. Twitter? Titters, yeah. There were some titters. <laughs> Wait, why wasn't I invited to this? <laughs> um, but Wait, anyway. I think I was. Why wasn't I told there was going to be titters there? <laughs> yeah. It was really stressful. I hate making movies. I hate it. But I love making movies. We all know that. Uh, I, I, like, I like writing. And I like editing. I hate filming. I, okay. I just... I, I just I was telling Pete this. I just, I just loathe it, but I love completing a movie. Okay. So uh, anyway, I want to talk more about it once we post it up because we're we're fine tuning a little bit more before we put it online. So how did you feel like you guys did against the other people that got on screen the other night? Uh, there were about ten. I would say better than average. Okay. Uh, personally, I feel that um, our movie kind of had a. Uh, a flow to it that most of the other ones didn't. Like, I, I was telling Pete this, I was like, all of these movies are six or seven minutes long, and I don't know how they get so boring. <laughs> <laughs> but they do. And ours was, I think, mildly boring, but since it was, like, long, real-time, and there weren't any gaps in the conversation or anything, I think, you know, we were pretty good about that. We wanted to make it pretty tight. Even if you don't like it, even if you're kind of bugged that it's just kind of a... It's pretty much just a conversation, even if you're bugged by the concept. I don't think it's super boring, but I don't know. Maybe it is. I'm excited to get a chance to check it out personally. So am I. Good. Good. I really want to, as I was telling John, I would really love to be a part of it, just to be able to be in the experience. But for the longest time, I've been drugged down by, well, some other people in some, you know... Some requirements that I have to do on a weekly basis. I'm just not able to, to really, truly participate. Yeah. Basically, you're blaming the podcast for your inability to participate in the 48-hour film project. I was blaming you, specifically, <laughs> without actually saying it, but since you've brought it up, now is as good a time as any to talk about it. Okay. You, you've really been holding the podcast back, well, especially you know, me. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be too successful. I'm just here to keep you humble, Pete. <laughs> and, what, and what a big, giant weight you are in my life. You just call me the millstone. <laughs> so I have one more thing really quick to ask just regarding this because like the big debate that we had kind of on set was, okay, we drew drama. One of our ideas is actually sort of a science fiction idea. And that's the one I pushed for. That's the one we ultimately did. Um, our other thought was, well, we have comedies. We could probably do one of these comedy ideas but kind of add dramatic elements into it somehow. Um, but I sort of felt like, okay, so what if it's a science fiction? No one's going to be like, hey, wait a second, I just saw a science fiction movie, not a drama. Um, and so we kind of had this debate, because every, everyone thought that, hey, those are two different things, and I didn't think that so much. Because sci-fi is a different genre, like, it has to have sci-fi elements. I just figured, okay, um, our drama can have science fiction elements. I think within the backdrop, because I, yeah. I was thinking about this too. Yeah. If, if you were given, you know, the, the theme of a heist movie, 
Yes. You could do a heist movie in the Western genre, or the Western style, the, the 1920s, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays. You could do heist in any number of time periods. Mm-hmm. So I would think of sci-fi drama as just a drama within the time period set in the future. Yeah. And so I, I think I think you're totally okay with that. that. I, 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 I will answer that question for my part. I didn't like to answer the question after I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Because to me it's going to depend on how much of the storytelling relied on it being a science fiction element. Mm-hmm. Because if it, if it, I mean, if you take the science fiction element out and the whole thing falls apart, I think I might be inclined to say it was more of a science fiction than a drama. You may have a really good taste. Uh, well, I mean, if that's the way you're thinking, I'm like, well, maybe you would disagree after you see it. Um, I hear what you're saying, but I'm kind of like, it, it is an element in there, but it's dramatic, so whatever. But as we all know, Joey's a jerk, so... That's true. Yeah. 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 Uh, Curtis, you've said that many times, haven't you? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it's right before he asks me for help. <laughs> there, there was one question before we move on that I wanted to ask you, John, which was the whole, okay, you're not supposed to work on any of this beforehand. Right. You're supposed to, okay, I now have my, my stuff. Now we go and do the thing. Mm-hmm. My thought was, why don't you write a whole bunch of potential stories have a bunch of ideas put together so that if you get something you've already kind of fleshed out a little bit about you know a series of genres is that allowed as part of the rules like it is i think in the rules i didn't read through all the rules like scott did that he was like the paperwork person but i i seem to remember reading something that like no writing could be done um and i'm sure we would have broken that rule maybe be, you know but we were just too lazy to think of all of these stories <laughs> we, we actually did we went through each genre and we each pitched kind of a story within that genre um i don't and we couldn't come up with one for drama when we actually did it uh that's why i suggested hey you know we have this science fiction thing that maybe will work as drama as long as we're not so funny with it sort of thing um, but yeah, so we all pitched ideas but didn't write anything out, which I think was within the rules. That's kind of an honor system, though. A lot more than actually, you know, filming right. stuff. But, uh, uh, and, and, you know, you get points for, in, in competition, you're kind of judged on how well you utilize the elements that you were given um, at the beginning. So if you think of something really elaborate, you can kind of tell if some story element was shoehorned in because it had to be. Hmm. And that's kind of the idea behind it. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Oh, we'll move on then. Facebook find of the week, Joey. Have you had enough time to... uh... Yes, to remind myself of what I wanted to go to. Yeah, it's uh, it's Carbonite Man for his post of the uh, 25 awesomest science fiction creations (laughs) built in Minecraft. (laughs) That was so cool. There no, this doesn't surprise me. It is amazing oh my what people managed to do with Minecraft. Read the comment that I put. I read the comment. <laughs> I read the comment. Yeah. I, I the, the 90s called, Joey. They want their pixel art back. No, That's what I read it the is. Comments. It's pixel art. The 80s called, Joey. They want their Legos back. But, the, the, like, especially the guys who... The Mines of Moria, they made the whole... Uh, they recreated the Mines of Moria from the film version. And they dug the whole thing by hand. It takes maybe five or six seconds to move one block in the game by hand. 
and all the amount of work that they put in to dig 16,000 by 16,000 blocks into the shape that they wanted by hand. They didn't use any mods, no cheats, did the entire thing manually. Just blows my mind because I play Minecraft. I love Minecraft. But I use cheats because I don't have that kind of patience. <laughs> <laughs> I, I use mods, I should say. I, I, you can't really cheat at Minecraft. It's a, I was gonna it's a say. sandbox game. <laughs> are, are you sure they didn't use mods then? They said they did not. Hmm. I, you know, I, I didn't actually like go in and confirm or anything like that. I'm kind of bugged at them. Why, why wouldn't they use mods? <laughs> the fact that they They're do it the hard way. <laughs> They really wanted to know what the dwarves of Moria went through. <laughs> I would be more impressed with someone who, you know, did some sort of clay work or, you know, some sort of graphic rendering of something like that. They did that. a graphic rendering of it. Yeah, I, it, it looks like pixel art, dude. <laughs> but congratulations to Carbonite Man. Um, you will not be receiving an award. Uh, <laughs> but, you have, but, but you have won. So congratulations yeah, to you. Lot, you should feel lot. some sense of pride and, uh, you know... Uh, annoyance at me having, you know, belittled the, the <laughs> amount of work you went into for posting that. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's fun. Um, do we have a nook? We do. Brainy's Nook of Darkness. Brainy Smurf says, Ahoy hoy! Pick your favorite voice from Pooh's Corner. Owl. I chose from The Simpsons to use Mr. Burns there. <laughs> so, I don't know, I broke the rules already. Uh, pick your favorite uh, voice from Pooh's Corner to proclaim this week's installment of Brainy's Nook of Darkness, Slaying the Beast Part 3, okay. mm. Tuxedos, Butterflies, and Captain Kirk. <laughs> nice. yeah, are we ever going to get back to Mel Torme? <laughs> Mel Torme? Wasn't it Mel Torme? No. Who was it? It was uh, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett, right. Okay. My bad. <laughs> Mel Torme. Come on, this is not, fog. <laughs> not, not that hack, thank you. Uh, he continues, I saw Tony Bennett give an interview when he was turning 80. He, uh, when asked whether or not he still gets nervous when performing, Tony said that he hopes so, because that emotion is the gravity for his abilities to communicate with an audience. He went on to explain how when he was starting out, he bumped into Sinatra backstage before a show. Sinatra, already a colossal celebrity at the time, asked Bennett how he was feeling and the rookie crooner said he was super nervous, for he, up to this point, had never sang in front of such a large crowd. Frank put his arm around the kid and insisted that the key was to respectfully enter the domain of a room full of strangers as if you were visiting each of their living rooms. Sinatra said, Well, if you're nervous, then be nervous, because you's gotta understand people. The most important thing is to be honest with them. And if those folks see yous being all panty-wasted, they will throw tomatoes at yous. But if they see that you are comfortable in your own skin, comfortable being nervous, they will understand that you are genuine that you genuinely intend to entertain them, and that's a good thing. Can you try to be Phil Hartman doing Frank Sinatra? <laughs> Oh, rest in peace, Phil Hartman. <laughs> we miss you. And Sinatra, by the way. Um, right? Isn't yeah. he dead? Okay. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I, I think he's dead. <laughs> I hope so. I hope Sinatra's wow. dead. Man, I hated that guy. <laughs> what you were saying there. 
All right, fine. Um, this harkens back to the old monk treating sexual fantasies like unwanted houseguests. When one has butterflies in one's stomach, just let them do their thing, rather than formulating an elaborate extermination battle plan. A performer has more pressing matters afoot. They must go out on a limb and beseech the audience to trust that someone can assist tapping them into a realm of abstract beauty and aesthetic appreciation. Not unlike Ferlingity's tightrope walker uh, traversing taught truth in the poem Constantly Risking Absurdity. We all have our opinions and unique experiences. These are the channels that our emotional responses erupt from. And so, suffice to say, the performer strikes a chord that directly connects us to a personal, powerful, emotional memory. And although this is a strange parallel with the whale-hunting uh, Quileute Indians using the beast's own gutty works to connect the bo uh, bone harp harpoons, the real connection is about facing one's fears before smiting a smackdown. Or, as Captain Kirk says, to Bones in that silly movie with the Buddha Vulcan. Damn it, Bones, you're a doctor. You know that pain and guilt can't be taken away with a wave of a magic wand. They're the things we carry with us. The things that make us who we are. If we lose them, we lose ourselves. I don't want my pain taken away. I need my pain. Thanks to the chat for clarifying that for us. So Tony, Bennett's welcome, uh, so Tony Bennett welcomes his anxiety as a weapon, using its own momentum to deliver a heartfelt, sentimental blow to the beast that is, was, are, both himself and his audience. Cool. Hmm. Way to tie it all together there, Brainy. That was a long way to go. That was. And that's impressive that yeah. he managed to put all of that together. So my hat's off to you, sir. You're not wearing a hat, you liar. He didn't know that. <laughs> I'm not going to let you lie to our listeners like that. <laughs> it was the imaginary hat of gratitude and respect, and I took it off for him. Hmm. Too bad, but we have a big bag full of hats sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> the minging bag of Joey's used hats. <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, Joey's Culture Corner. All right, do, do I have anything to say? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, of course. I thought maybe your John's movie thing was your corner. I thought maybe the movie thing was your corner. Yeah, I guess it could have been. Okay. As long as I'm there. here, I'm going to take the spotlight as much as I can. Certainly. Um, okay, the, actually, the only reason I wanted to say something is because I'm really, really sad that I wasn't here last week. Um, because I really wanted to be in on the conversation. Because last week you guys uh, spoke about the new Star Trek movie. And how uh, it's likely going to be Khan in the new Star Trek movie. Mm -hmm. um, and... I'm not totally convinced. I kind of am of the opinion that chances are... Well, not chances are, but there's a, there is a really good chance that they're just saying that to get us kind of off the scent a little bit. And, <laughs> and, and that the, It's just a red herring from Abrams? Yeah, maybe. Possibly. Um, but another thing that I think does need to be addressed, and you guys just barely touched on this, but I think it is, is like really interesting. If they do introduce Khan in Star Trek II... It won't be a remake of Star Trek Two. Um, you guys kind of said, "Oh yeah, the first fifteen minutes will be when they meet him, and then they're gonna wedge it into <laughs> Star Trek Two. I think 
it's the if they do do con, it would be a remake of the original episode Space Seed. Okay. Uh, and it will have nothing to do with the plot of Star Trek Two, um, which does leave things really open for maybe a future where there is a sequel with Khan right. where it's not. Where the Khan and Kirk are actually best friends? Maybe by together. the end? Yes. I don't know. Uh, but, like, because if you know, in in, uh, in Star Trek 2, uh, well, actually, let me just fast forward. At the end of the episode Space Seed, there's the line, um, we should come back here to see what has grown on this planet that we put this this person on because he is starting a new society with his strength and with his intellect and with his boldness and power and his drive and his passion and all these things so it would be very interesting to see what happens to him well um, the events of Star Trek 2 um, the planet blew up and he was kind of wiped out and he became crazy is what <laughs> happened um, but if they do the events of Space Seed where he starts a new society and then go back to it later, uh, they could revisit in a completely different sure. way. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, a pretty interesting concept, the episode, because, you know, they meet someone that's from Earth's past. Uh, and I think they could have a lot of fun detailing, like, what this, the future philosophy of the future is like compared to what it is in our near future and where we're heading in the two different, uh, like, philosophies and on where society is going. So, that could be exciting if it's Khan in the next movie. Now, the next thing I was going to say, I don't think you guys covered this, but are you aware of who is supposedly playing Khan? No, we, talk, we talked about it, but I don't no. think we can't. Well, our suggestion was Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> no, your suggestion no. was... My, my suggestion was Christopher Lee. Lee. Oh, that's yes. right. Yes. Um... The uh, person who apparently might be playing Khan is a little person, not a little person. Uh, <laughs> that would be awesome. The eugenics movement. <laughs> the result? We're the little people. Yeah, no, no, sorry. It's more like three little people in one person um, by the name of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh. You know the name. I do. It's Sherlock. Yes. It's uh, Sherlock Holmes from the BBC series Sherlock. Sure. Uh, and Pete, I believe you... Just, two, two episodes in. Two episodes of it. I just wanted to say really quick, it's an awesome show. And I should have watched it like six months ago, I think, when you first told me to watch it. It's, it's told very different. It's modern day Sherlock, but it's not a gimmick sort of yeah. modern day. It's just really good, crazy detective work. Interesting filming. They do a, a, a sort of tilt shift, tilt shift perspective so that like the exteriors of London look like sort of a little mini model of London. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's sort of a, a weird kind of photography that's kind of in right now. Sherlock Holmes himself is very entertaining to watch, but more so than than any other representation that I've seen, like the old movies, the young Sherlock Holmes, the, the crappy ones uh, with uh, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. You know, they all emphasize about how antisocial he is in all of those movies, but... This guy it, seems antisocial. He is really insane. Like when when the other characters talk about how they are worried because he is insane, you really do get that. Yeah. He's he, a very he's, interesting character. He's kind of anti-charismatic. Yes, yes. And whereas Robert Downey Jr., you, you look like yeah, people would want to flock to him. Yes. Instead yes. of like you know say like okay you're weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But Sherlock himself, uh, he actually like someone actually calls him a, a psychopath. 
yeah. in the show. And he yes. corrects them. He says, no, I'm a functioning sociopath. Know the difference, you moron kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, really, really good mysteries. Um, really exciting. Each episode is 90 minutes long. Yeah. Um, and uh, interesting techniques. They they use a lot of modern things like cell phones and texting and stuff. It's it's a it's a mini movie. Like yeah, really, it really is. It yeah. is. Yeah. And the production value is high, so it's not a made for TV movie at all. Yeah. yeah. I, got, I think they could have put any one of those. You extend it half an hour, you could have released it to theaters, and people would have lined up to watch it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it's really good. Um, one another technique that I really like is when they do text. Curtis, have you seen this? No. Okay, check it out. Yeah. Um, like when when they text each other, they do something that I and I can't even explain why I like it. They don't cut to the text, but the text comes up on it's our screen. The screen, yeah. As as if it's part of that part of that world, or and when we 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 get to see their face as they look at something, and we see what they see, yeah. kind of thing, and it and it's just kind of it's more melds immersive. in really well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah exactly it, very immersive. But anyway, Sherlock Holmes. Maybe Khan. I think that could work. And yeah, and I I love that guy. I think he's a great actor. He was also in um, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes, but another one. <laughs> um, he wasn't in that. No one looked that up. Uh, he's in. Uh, he t- could have done the you know, a play version of that. <laughs> okay, fine. Look it up. We'll see. Uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is kind of an interesting. Oh spy yeah, movie. the movie that everybody's like, wow, that's really cool. Nah, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. It, actually, that's a pretty good movie, just because it's like in James Bond, everyone knows what's going on, except one person's one step ahead, and every in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, it's like, uh, I think this is what's going I on. I read that book three <laughs> times, and I still haven't figured out what's going on. <laughs> but it's a good movie. Anyway, Sherlock's in that, too. I, it was, I watched like three who, episodes of Sherlock before I really... He's... You did see the movie? He looks completely... I, I like had to like... I, I suddenly woke up out of sleep, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Sherlock is in... Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Uh, he's the blonde guy. I think his I think his name is Peter. In it, he's got blonde straight hair, so he looks completely different. So so what happened was, I I'd been up all night working. I worked like twenty hours, and I was going home for the day. And and my wife and kids weren't home. They were down mm-hmm. in in southern Utah. And one of my friends called me up and said, "Hey, we're all going to go see Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. You want to go with us?" And I said, "Sure." <laughs> And I just kept, I kept falling asleep. I, I mean, it's a slow-moving movie. I, I not that's not a knock on it because it's a very, you know, it's a very deep plot. It's not action. It's cerebral. It's, a thing, it's very cerebral. That's a good way to put it. And I kept dozing off, and so I don't remember it particularly <laughs> well. <laughs> I, I, I have s- to go back and finish it. Now. I, I saw. It, I don't too. know. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna admit it to all your tens of listeners, but. Uh, I kind of thought that the point of the movie is that there's no way we could possibly know what was going on. <laughs> um, and maybe there's a way to figure everything out. I kind of think, you know, because someone figures it out, I think that's just what they threw into the movie. It's like, nope, I figured it out, and this is what it is. And that's and it's not beyond that. Like, okay. there's not, there's not like some sequence like, oh, yeah, he did that and he did that. It's just random events, and one guy figured it out for everybody else okay. kind of thing. Okay, well, John, I appreciate your uh, culture corner. Curtis, I don't want to leave you out of this. Would you like to share a culture corner? It, it would be the KKK. <laughs> you want to talk about the, Curtis's culture corner? The stuff you brought over? Yeah, you could do uh, uh, maybe the CCC. Yeah, but they didn't know that. 
They could have thought his name started with a K. Yeah, but they didn't, wouldn't have thought that culture or corner started with a K. It's a Yugoslav it's language. <laughs> uh, you don't have to if you don't want to. Um, you, you really don't. You know, we don't, don't want to put you on the spot. Prepared, That's so. okay. It's okay. We don't want to make you feel awkward. <laughs> did, did we hear the clock? Did, you, did the mic pick up the clock? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we're leaving all of that in. Um, like we may stretch that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be sure. <laughs> uh, all right, Joey's Culture Corner. Uh, Joey's Culture Corner this week is a, a book I, I've been particularly excited about for a long time. Uh, it's finally available for purchase, so I'm going to say everyone, go to Amazon and purchase it. You can read it on Kindle, or you can read it on your PC, Kindle for PC, if you don't have a, a Kindle device. It is uh, The Children of Hamelin by Danny Lasko. Oh. Did you read that? I did. I just finished it last night. I, I Hamelin? Isn't it Hamelin? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I always, I always thought Hamelin. Okay. I could be wrong. I, I, I'm happy to pronounce it Hamelin, just, just for you, Pete. Oh. Do you have a spelling? H-A-M-L-I-N. No, it's, it's H A. M-E-L-I-N. Okay. I don't know. So you were supposed to help me download the thing so that I could uh, read it. Was I? Yes. Because oh. I was like, hey, how can I get like a PDF of this thing? Because I don't have an e-reader. Well, I have a, a, an iPod. We'll see if we'll see if this if it works on my iBooks, in which case it would work. It's on. an EPUB. Well, the, what I have is an EPUB, so. I don't know if it'll work in ebooks or not. Does he public? Anyway. Anyway, this is getting boring. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> Danny uh, is, so, a, is a friend of ours. Yeah, he's a he's a friend of ours, and I, I had read a draft of this book probably three years ago. It has changed significantly since the draft I read, and I think for the better, honestly. Um, the 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 base premise is the uh, it's told in first person, yeah, first person narrative, and it's the story of a. A kid who, in a way of speaking, is a survivor of the events of the Pied Piper. Um, and it's kind of interesting that he, I don't know where some of this stuff came from. He has mixed in a few elements. When you read it through, you're going to go, oh yeah, that's kind of reminiscent of the Hunger Games right there. Oh, that kind of, that section, it kind of felt kind of like Harry Potter a little bit. But I think at the end, the, because the character, the main character, is such a dynamic person, He's, he's just very interesting and, and an engaging character. I, I was pulled into that character's point of view literally from page one. And there were some parts that I felt like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't need the, the Hunger Games analogy. I've already read the Hunger Games. But because it was being told from the first-person point of view of a character that I was really bought into, I actually quite enjoyed the book. Okay. I give it a thumb up, and I, I think people should go buy a copy and read it. It was really good. So... <clears throat> What, without giving too much away, what would you consider to be the, the big idea? Big idea. <laughs> Can I say entertainment? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, that's I didn't, a, that's I, a I, didn't I didn't get a really deep message out of it. It was just, you know, it was it was a light. Uh, I'd almost say kind of young adult science fiction, and, and for that, it, you know, it was enjoyable. I enjoyed oh. it. I I had a good time reading it. Okay, so he's not trying to make some comment about social. Uh, if he existence. if he was, I missed it. Okay, 
Knowing Danny, I'm pretty sure he was probably writing it for probably entertainment's yeah. sake. Just knowing what I know about Danny. But mm-hmm. he's a good guy, and uh, I think it's you know worth your time. Maybe check it out. We'll create a link to some place somewhere. It's only four dollars on to get it on Kindle. Um, yeah, that's too expensive for me. So. <laughs> Too rich for my blood. I guess it's not that interesting anymore. Anyway. Uh, never mind, everybody. Um, no. Uh, okay, let's go into episodes? Yes. All right, webisodes. Um, we are going to cover episodes 8 through 9 of Firefly. And we'll start with episode 8, Out of Gas. After an explosion in the engine room knocks out life support, Mal relives how he met Wash, Kaylee, Inara, and Jane. Damn, why don't you just give away the whole plot there? Because that's what I'm supposed to do. Oh. <laughs> it's a summary of the whole plot. <laughs> um, okay, so I like the way that this starts. Yeah. I feel tension from the very beginning. Um, and I really enjoy We I don't think we've stated this yet, but the fact that when they're showing space, you don't hear any sound. It's just silent. And I like that. I like it a lot. Yeah. So, and that's what we start off with, with just pure silence, and then the, the music slowly builds, and, you know, then we're winding our way through the ship and seeing this disheveled, you know... And empty. Empty so ship. empty. And I, I felt like the mood got yeah. set incredibly well. I, you know, I every time I watch this, I always think, you know... That's probably what it felt like walking through the set of uh, Serenity right before they tore it down for good. <laughs> you know what I mean? As, uh, I, I just imagine Whedon taking one last trip down through the through the set. And to make it uh, complete, he shoots somebody, and then they fall <laughs> down, and they bleed all over the place. Uh, and then he has to suffocate them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Mal's been shot, and um, it's something I wanted to bring up. This is a classic of, I think, the 80s, maybe even a bit of the 90s, which was, you know, cop dramas. Everyone's getting shot all over the place. And everybody gets shot, and they're like, ah, yeah, I can can keep going. Mm. I'm all right. I I can do this. We get up and have a chase scene. <laughs> yes. I, there was a, a movie with Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. The Long Kiss Goodnight. I don't remember the name of it. That's the name of it. He gets shot <laughs> repeatedly. Yes. And he is going strong the whole time. time. <laughs> now, granted, this is, this is just one gunshot. But still, like, the human body, how much is, is Mal able to take? I've had a broken rib, a sprained wrist, and a dislocated shoulder within a five-month period. It's been miserable for me. I I guess I wouldn't be able to hack it in this world. Uh, you're <laughs> definitely no Mal. He, he was a veteran of a war. So he... That's true. Okay, I guess that breeds a tougher type of person. Maybe it, the bullet went right through where his kidney used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Now I was gonna say you. I mean, you mentioned old shows. They parodied this like very early '80s, and uh, I think it was early '80s. The Steve Martin movie Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, right? I haven't seen that one. Has no one seen that? I, I, I'm Steve not Martin. Familiar. 
Steve Martin gets shot about seven times in the movie, and it's always in the same place. And there's times when they, when he's like, Duh, the music goes, and he, and he like goes, and he like contorts himself. <laughs> I think they use the exact same shot every time he gets <laughs> shot. Uh, not to be confusing with that, and uh, and it, it happens over and over again in the movie. And they, I think they're kind of making fun of this idea that you can get shot in the gut. I, I always find it funny, like in movies, you can get shot in the gut as many times and it doesn't really affect anything <laughs> but if you get shot in the arm then that arm is oh you can't use the arm or you get shot in the leg you can't use the leg but you get shot in the gut that's where you're going to want to get shot because you can do every activity <laughs> I, I just got to put a hand in there fist next to it stop the bleeding <laughs> just stick a finger in the yeah. hole yeah. it'll be fine <laughs> stick a finger in the front a fist in the back it'll be uh, uh, everything's alright <laughs> I think if you get shot in the abdomen, that's like one of the worst places yeah. to get yeah. shot because yeah. then you have all of this bile and... Well, and there's just so much of your organs are right in there. Yeah, right? your waist is just like extruding out into your abdomen at that point. Our listeners have probably turned off the podcast. <laughs> did you... Did you... Rep that word? <laughs> extruding? Extruding? Yeah. I think that might be a word. Excrete is definitely a word. Well, I won't argue that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to prompt Pete that he was looking for the word extrude. No, I, I there's extrude. And uh, yes, excrete, Th and those extrude. those are all excellent words. Maybe he just meant exiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was speaking French. Is what I was doing. Yeah, uh, none of us here speak French, so that's what I was. Um. Anyway, okay, I, I guess we got what I wanted out of that. Um, to be fair, though, I mean, out of all the out of all the depictions of that we've seen in television, this is pretty good. I mean, he took one bullet in the stomach, and he's having a hard time moving around. Yeah. Yeah, I, yes, it's fair. I was just trying to point out how much has Mal been beaten over the course of the series so far. Okay. Yes. All right. And he seems to be fine next week. Back to normal. Well, Thanks what, for that regeneration, yeah, like, too. Great doctor on board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great there doctor. we go. I, I always think, um, whenever I watch Cowboy Bebop, I think this. Like, Spike gets shot in this episode, too? He gets shot in every single episode. <laughs> How's this guy still moving around? Maybe explains why he's so skinny. I don't know. Um, okay. So, we have the... Okay, this is the beginnings of how Mal gets everything put together and it seems like he's got this entrepreneurial spirit he wants to feel the wind in his hair and the freedom of the the open plains you know out in the the west he heard a great theme song and he's just inspired by it <laughs> um i don't have the entrepreneurial spirit does anybody else here have that they want to try and defend that type of spirit you have the entrepreneurial spirit sure i do I, I don't I don't understand what your problem is with it. You have no desire to no to create something of your own. No. I, I well, it certainly don't... explains why you're not married. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have to bother defending the entrepreneurial spirit to you? I mean, you must no. be the only person in the world who doesn't want to create something. It that may be the case. It really may be. You know, I'm I'm going to go ahead and say you're you're full of it because you created this podcast. Um, yeah, but that didn't, that didn't take much effort. 
Well, you wouldn't be the first person with entrepreneurial with no follow through. <laughs> I think we all know at least one person like that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Did you just point at Curtis? No, I said that. Trying to include Curtis in the conversation there because we all worked for someone who had that problem. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> Uh, okay, so moving on, we we get introduced to, or this episode is going to introduce us to how we got the ship, um, Serenity, um, and it's going to go back and forth. We get to uh, historical shots and what's happening now to set up the scene to how Mal gets shot, and we're all sitting around the dinner table, and everyone's having a great time. Yeah. Looks like everyone's fitting in really well. I don't know what has been happening previous to this that suddenly it's all been turned around and, you know, Mal doesn't hate the uh, um, the doctor anymore and, you know, Jane is being respectable or whatnot, but everyone seems to be enjoying themselves. It's a nice moment, right? Even, it is. Even in, a, even in a fundamentally dysfunctional group <coughs> as this one, they're able to, at that point, put everything aside we're just going to have a good time here. Right. So, then there is an explosion on the ship. Wait. I just have to point out that I just got back from doing a movie. They brought out a cake with candles in it. Uh-huh. Uh, because it's Simon's birthday, apparently. And I'll just say, I had a, a panic attack watching that. Because I thought about how horrible it would be if I didn't have stage candles. As I'm sure those must have been where they'd stay the same length yes. all the time. <laughs> Uh, to attempt to do that where the candles actually burn down after every shot and you'd have to replace the candles every time. Uh, I freaked out about it. That's funny because I actually noticed that in one of the shots one of the candles was out and then the next cut the candle was lit. I noticed the same, sir. I did not notice that. Good. You fit in just fine here. You're just as nitpicky as Joey and I. I don't know why you would not here more often. That scene actually was really funny to me, too. Um, the Sitting around the table laughing because it was basically the intro to the episode and Shepard's telling a funny story in it. And as I was watching it, I was thinking, man, this is so cool. How do actors just, like, laugh on command like that? Because it seems so natural and they were all just, like, so... Just like having a great just time, having yeah. a great time, and I was like, man, what do they do? They like have somebody on set that's like telling funny stories to get them started, or I think they just pump helium into the room, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then they just pitch shift everyone's voices back down. Uh-huh. It reminded me of uh, the movie The Man Who Knew Too Little with uh, oh, great movie, um, Bill Bill Murray, Bill Murray in it, and he's talking to an actress, and he's like, well, he, actually, she's not an actress, but he thinks she is, and she's crying, and he asks her. How did you do that? Did you, did you pluck a nose hair right before you were shot? <laughs> Bring the tears to your eyes? But yeah, but... Alright, we can move on now. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Explosion on the ship. R- River says fire. Yeah. Right so before not only is she psychic, she's also precog. Yes. Um, and they decide, oh my gosh, we got to vent the atmosphere. So they close up all of the ships... It's an awesome visual effect. I yeah. loved that. I want to know, would that would it be a, like this cyclone kind of fire tornado getting sucked out into space? Would that be how it is? I don't know, but a, a cyclone of fire looks like an awesome thing. 
Cyclones of Fire and uh, Ammonia Tornadoes. Ammonia Tornadoes. <laughs> if we could get those two things combined, that would be seriously awesome. Uh, let's work on that. Let's get Aaron's thought on of that. watching uh, thought of Ammonia Tornadoes as he watched the Cyclones of Fire on the screen. Uh, okay. So, in the explosion, um, Zoe is hit and she's unconscious. Take her into the... Eventually get her into the, um, med, the lab. med lab. Mal commands Wash up to the bridge. Yeah, is that the right thing to do? I don't know. That's the question I wrote. Right or wrong to do that? I Be- thought it was right. You think so? Yeah. It, I, it, considering the circumstances, it's a, it's a question... I don't think you have... It's a state of emergency is what it is. Because it makes me question, okay, does he actually need him up there, or right. is he just trying to distract him from the, oh, no, your wife may be dying yeah, I don't think right he needs him, up, needs him up there right now because the ship isn't moving, which is a totally separate issue, right? <laughs> we haven't yet gotten into yeah. having the law of inertia all of a sudden <laughs> stop being applied. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's nothing to do in the uh, as a pilot other than sit there and wait for Kaylee to get the engine fixed. Well, I, I think they hadn't determined what was wrong with the ship yet. At that yeah, point. yeah. I, I, I figured, yeah, he... If, if there wasn't anything to do, they certainly didn't know. But they needed to know. Uh, and, and it wasn't... I interpreted it, it wasn't as a, a matter of um, distraction for Wash. I figured okay. this was an emergency and they had to do whatever. And, and it was an obvious thing to do at that point. That's how if, I if read that, it. If that's how it went down, I'm okay with it. I read it as, I need to get you out of the room where your wife is laying, possibly dying, and, and not thinking about it, so I'm going to take your focus off of it and put it somewhere else. I didn't feel like that's what he was doing. Okay. I felt like he was saying, you're my crewman, and I'm ordering you up there to take care of this because that's your position, it's, it's that's your lot. job. Yeah. I mean, well, he did, I think I remember Mal saying, I need you to get up there and tell me what what's going on with the ship and and i mean if his his wife may or may not be dying but the rest of the crew is going to be in trouble if they can't get right. that ship moving and if they can't get the ship moving they're all going to die if they do get the ship, ship moving there's a good chance she she may live they may able be able to get someone where they can get help for her yeah okay so we are then introduced to wash and his mustache <laughs> i love that mustache. his very very creepy mustache <laughs> And I assume this is what I looked like in the mustache back in the day when I had it, and everyone called me a pedophile. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good connection to make. I. <laughs> everyone else is wrong to say that. First of all, and I think Wash looked great with a mustache. I think in society we've been making fun of mustaches for. 20 years. Only pedophiles have mustaches. I think we're a little bit beyond that concept now. And, you know, we could bring the Selleck back. And it can be glorious. And it can be a good, awesome, non-ironic thing. I think we're there. I think we've evolved far enough to get to that point. And Wash's mustache looked awesome. And I'm saying that, no joke. Okay. Well, uh, John's in favor of the mustache. You've, You've grown mustaches. Right, right. And I never felt more like a man. <laughs> uh, I do hate having them, though. They are uncomfortable to just have. At least mine are. I don't know about anybody They're else's. awkward eating almost anything, yeah. especially soup. 
Yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. There's the man with facial hair right now in the podcast. Yeah, I've been wearing hair over my lip for a long time now. There's nothing awkward about it at all. <laughs> it's quite comfortable. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we see an adrenaline shot getting administered twice. Once by a doctor to a patient, <laughs> and the other time to oneself. Yes. Now, I don't know much about the adrenaline shot thing, but when it's someone who their heart is no longer beating, the whole point is put it right directly into the heart, because if you put it into the vein, it's not going to get itself in time to the heart. Makes sense. Why does Mal administer its the adrenaline shot to his heart? heart does that not seem like a really weird thing to do why doesn't he just say right here or into any other part of his body yeah, that's a good it's a good question why does he need to stick it right into the heart other than the dramatic effect which it is and we'll, we'll maybe get... he's like literally on the verge of passing out and he yeah. needs that adrenaline right out. now Okay. I don't think he was thinking about it very much. He just saw the doctor okay. administer it right there, and he was like, that's what I need. I need an adrenaline shot. Okay. Yeah. Now, I think we've He's all... too much uh, Pulp Fiction. That, <laughs> I, I was about to say, we've all seen this the scene where, you know, the, the needle goes in, and Uma Thurman comes up, and she's like, uh, you know, wide awake now. So you administer the shot to yourself, and you come to... Isn't that really dangerous to have this metal... Uh, spike sitting in your chest? I'm sure he weighed all the options. Very <laughs> like, I don't know. This is big and metal, but uh, I'm a little woozy right now. I don't know. I'm just wondering, is it doing damage to the heart? He, uh, I'm sure what he was thinking actually is, I'm sure this is doing damage to my heart. Thank goodness we have a great doctor on board. <laughs> and if I solve this, if I survive... Everything's going to be fine by next week for sure. <laughs> now, really quick, I have to ask: Has anybody seen Prometheus yet? No. No. I know you loved it. Really? I love. I love Prometheus. That's the first good review I've heard of it. I really. I I loved it. I maybe I'm weird. I don't know, but there's some great adrenaline in Prometheus. At least a, a lot of great self adrenaline in Prometheus. Adrenaline inducing. Well, yeah, what's sure to be one of the most famous scenes in movies this year, I think. But I'll talk to you guys about it later. <laughs> I, I know that the guy at, at Tor.com said he, he went on and on about you know all the things that make it an interesting movie, and then at the, the last paragraph was like, but all that being said, I hated the movie. I had a hard time enjoying it. And hmm. <laughs> I did not care for it. Hmm. I really liked it. I thought about having it be uh, my uh, little thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you should do it now. Next week. Maybe. Um, okay, so he gives himself the shot. We move on. And uh, my next note here is the argument with uh, Mal and Wash up in the uh, the driving room. Uh, I have just a few things in, in between there. Well, well, get to it. The, so the first one is, this is the point at which Kaylee comes down and tells Mal, Serenity ain't moving, right? Mm. So not only did we completely throw inertia out the window, but wouldn't expelling all that gas and flame have given it some kind of propellant effect? That That's just it, Joey. They were moving, and they vented all of that stuff. It canceled itself out. Oh, so they, they'd been going backwards before. 
It cancelled itself out. <laughs> well, I do want to bring up, you did uh, say something about it earlier. We don't know how light speed works. Because um, if I'm familiar with the way it works in Star Trek, there was the episode, the the speed limit episode, uh-huh. that actually flies in the face of everything I know about <laughs> light speed. It doesn't make any sense because... <laughs> You're going to use that episode. I'm not going to use that I'm just pointing out that you... I'm just pre-pointing out, well, what about that episode? And I'm like, no, that's a lie. That episode is a lie. <laughs> um, but, like, light speed is is not normal propulsion, like not normal Newtonian propulsion. If you're traveling through light, then some kind of warp field has to happen where um, there's kind of a dimensional, in Star Trek anyway, the, the nacelles, they provide a, din- a dimensional warp that keeps cycling mm-hmm. that you just kind of skip over right? Or, you know, in, in the ship. You're so, actually just bending space around you. Right, yeah. Um, and so if, if, as you said, this is, and you said last time I was here that this they do travel faster than light in this universe. Um, I don't really know what the rules are of warp travel are, but I, I imagine it's not Newtonian. And so if it does stop, we and we don't know. I mean, there's yeah, as don't. far as I know, there's no like uh, Firefly technical manual that you can buy in Barnes and Noble. Maybe there is, but um, you know that is. Isn't there a role playing game? That's, that's a way to justify sure it, anyway. Look at the big brain on Brad. <laughs> That's awesome. I like, I agree with whatever he says because he sounded really smart saying it. Thank you. Here's my problem with all of that. We've actually seen them use faster than light travel and seen it applied as Newtonian motion in relationship to other objects around them. When they've gone in the hard, the hard burn on Wouldn't that just be a, like a, oh, right. But that's a hard burn on end. I mean, it's not like warp travel, right? I mean, they're not traveling faster than light within an atmosphere when they do that. No, but when they're when they're in outer space and they're traveling from point to point, and we're as an outside observer, we're seeing them move. We're, so we're not the observer that they're moving away from. Mm-hmm. We're a third observer watching them move away in a Newtonian manner from the object that they are accelerating away from. Okay. Um, it, it's not definitive. I would, right. I, would, I would say you still make a strong point, but... I, I would just feel it's a perspective way of filming so that we know where the ship is. <laughs> I agree with Curtis now. <laughs> what, silence? <laughs> uh, no, that, that's really impressive that you went to that amount of thought for that, because I know I wouldn't have, so good on you. Uh, I also just wanted to point out that I think Simon probably wins worst birthday ever prize. <laughs> He's like... And it was my birthday. It was my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, dude. I, I know I've had some bad birthdays, but nothing like everyone's going to die, literally. I think, well, I think his whole reason for saying that was in the hopes that Inara would give him a freebie. Uh, <laughs> he said it, he she said it looked, to Inara. She looked like she almost yeah. considered it for a second, yeah. too, right? Well, uh, no. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and, then he, and then as she walked away, she's, he was thinking, man, even... Final moments of our existence is still, man, that's a, the worst rejection ever. So, Pete, talk about the uh, the argument between Wash and Mel. So, there's an argument between Wash and Mel. <laughs> and then in the scene after that... <laughs> ended there, <laughs> it was in the, the driving room, is that what you called yes, it? Yes, <laughs> the driving room. I can't think the of... The cockpit? Words? Um, I don't know. Uh, stuff happened. That's That's important. Well, did, um, but did you, you shouldn't pass over that argument because that had to be one of the 
funniest. It is. <laughs> Which is why I wanted to get to it, because of John talking about, well, we can't be too funny because we're making a drama. This is one of the funnier things in an incredibly dramatic scene. Right. Uh, Mal and, and Wash are having this argument about, I can't do anything, this, you know, we're totally stuck, there. Why, why, what's the point, why are we bothering with this? And they finally come up with this idea, and Wash's his response is, well, maybe I should do that then. Maybe you should. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yes. It's fantastic, and it is absolutely, totally dramatic. Yeah. And so that's why I think you can get away with stuff like that. Well, I don't know if I could. Joss Whedon does it really well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Work on your writing a bit, but I'm saying yeah. it's definitely possible to do it. Sure, And, and sure. I, I, I think you could do it. Yeah. I think I've right. had arguments like that before. <laughs> where, like, I realize I'm wrong, but my, I'm still so emotionally amped that I can't back down and apologize. I still am accelerating the conversation. Even though I'm wrong, I'm admitting I'm wrong, but I'm doing it louder and more violently. <laughs> because it's just, that's, that's what's called for at this moment, is yelling at you! <laughs> yeah, that's why I stopped having arguments. Just too embarrassed when I'm wrong. <laughs> Just stop being wrong. That, that's what's worked for me. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Jane comes up and he chastises the both of them and says, what are you doing fighting at a time like this? You'll use up all the air. Now, see, I, I totally remember... The first time I watched this, I swear he said, "You're using up all my air." <laughs> well, that would be more. That would be the Jane line, yeah, right? Yeah. It would. Yeah. It really would. Um, okay, now we have adult situations with Kaylee. So, um, this is how we meet Kaylee. This, this is a great way to introduce yeah. the character because Mal clearly treats her like like a kid, uh-huh. like a little sister, or you know. Uh, and and as very innocent in, in a lot of ways. But the way he met her Right. Innocent. That that's how he treats her, you know. He treats her as yeah. though, you know, there's no there's no guile there, right? And we get that impression yeah. that there's no guile to the character. And yet mm-hmm. the first time that he met her, it was as you say, during a an adult situation. And also with a guy who's a total scuzzbag. <laughs> Reminds who does... me of my older brother Ben so much. <laughs> who has tats like that? My older brother Ben. <laughs> I I thought they were interesting. I mean, I think they talked about it in the in the commentary. They're like, hey, who did those times? Ah, I can't remember, but they seemed kind of fitting for the, <laughs> you know, for the world they were in. Like someone yeah. would have those. Yeah. Anyway, it turns out she's smarter than the uh, mechanic that she's with, and the mechanic that Mal said, "Oh, we finally got a genius mechanic." Yeah. Yes. Um, so. Anyway, just shows how great she is, and she gets offered a job. I've seen the problem plain as day when I was down there on my back before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great line. Great line. I, I am surprised. She's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll join. Let me just, let me just co- tell my folks. She has some really understanding folks, obviously. <laughs> hey, a bunch of pirates just came down, and they want to take me into the sky with them forever. Oh, that's nice, Kaylee. Go ahead. I love It was the Wild West, you know. She does seem... She found a job. She seems hippie-like, so mm-hmm. maybe her, her, her right. folks are yeah, really actually like that. Uh, okay. Somebody uses the line, everybody dies alone. Mal. Mal. Yes. Really pretty jaded, unhappy, sad sort of guy. But we've had this conversation, Pete. That's appropriate. 
You should die alone. You should go somewhere uh, privately <laughs> and die alone. That's the way it should be. You should you, not traumatize. You should wander other off into the forest alone. When you get to be senile and like eighty-five, I am seriously driving you out to like the middle of Canab or something like that and saying, "Go, go be go. free, Joey." <laughs> this is what you would really this, want. This is this is the elephant graveyard. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, what Mal is saying here, though, right, is is not. Everyone goes into a forest and literally <laughs> dies alone with no human being around them. But, like, when you die, you don't take anybody with you, so everyone does die alone. It doesn't yeah, matter if someone's there or not. That That's that, an yeah, interesting way to, to look at that. Because That's kind of how I thought he was saying. He's like, you know, what difference does it make if you're here or not? I like that. Mm -hmm. I prefer that better to the way that I was really seeing it as a cynical man who's kind of bitter and unhappy. And, well, he is that as well. Right. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's certainly seen a lot of death in his life, too. I think Lost would, would indicate to us that what you just said is not true, though. Oh, okay, sorry. I take it back. Lost said something else. <laughs> I think we can just excise that uh, final episode of Lost from the world forever. <laughs> what? The whole last season makes no sense at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. We've already covered why the ship isn't moving, so we, I guess we can go past that, right? Um, so Mal sends everybody off into their own, to the two ships and says, okay, go in different directions. Four per shuttle. Hopefully, you know, we'll increase the chances of someone running into us. If you find someone, come back and help me. And everybody's like, what are you doing, you idiot? Why are you not getting in one of the shuttles? It's like, no, 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 everything's going to be fine. <laughs> Somebody has to stay here. Yeah, somebody's got to be there if the signal beacon gets picked up on. I thought he explained it okay. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd stick around if I'm the captain. I it's guess that makes. I guess that right? makes me a you know, whatever. But I wouldn't stick around. Well, I'd yeah, get in the shuttle. It's been a clear theme the whole series and into the movie that, more than anything else in his life, Mal loves that ship. The Serenity, yeah, sure. I well, I I didn't take it so much like, oh, he's just being stubborn and he wants to go down with the ship. I took it as, okay, we have three elements of a plan, and in order for the most likely chance. That will all be successful. Some element has to be, you know, represented. And I mean, if they, it turns out probably if they both just flew in opposite directions and no one was back at the ship, then they all would have died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he was just filling every contingency of the plan. Yeah, that's a much more positive way to look at it. I would agree with that. But I also agree with what I agree with what John is saying. But I also agree with what Curtis is saying, which is Mal is that that ship is is Mal's whole life. That is him. He has personally identified himself with Serenity and can't leave it behind. Okay. And it says it more in this episode than probably any other. Yeah. Does anybody else have something like that in their life? Uh, my own body, uh, <laughs> where if I'm separated from it, I think I would die. <laughs> Even though I don't really treat my body that well, it's kind of an understanding. Sort of. Okay, good, John. Joey, are you saying thing, a thing I would this whatever this thing is that means so much to you that you're willing to to let yourself die in the hope that you might not lose it. You'd put yourself in that much danger. I don't, to I don't save know it. how to describe it. There is something there, and the only the only okay, kids I can think and of, family don't count. No, 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 no. The, and Aaron doesn't count. <laughs> 
Uh, right, because that's where I was going. <laughs> why do you, why do you, why do you pick on Aaron? <laughs> He's not even here to defend. Hey, I'm the one who usually is defending Aaron. <laughs> but you're the one who threw him under the bus in that part right there. Um, no, it's, uh, the only way I can think of to describe it is my perception of myself. The, the person that I, I define myself as. So, you know, I, I've, I've built up very carefully from the time I was six years old. This is, this is what I want to be. This is who I want to be. And there are times where I realize, oh, you know what? This thing that I decided I was going to be, it's made my life more difficult. It has made my life in some ways a living hell, certain parts of it. But because it is so deeply rooted now in what I am and who I am and how I perceive myself, I can't leave it. I can't walk away from it, even though I know it's causing me problems. And, and, and a great example of that is this this problem I have with authority for the sake of authority. Where somebody tells me to do something, they're in a position of authority over me, but they don't give me a reason why. Even if I think it's a good thing, I can't go along with it. I, I just cannot find it in myself to do it when I haven't been given what I feel is a good reason why. Even though I can, I, you know, I may, I may, if I stop and think about it logically, I'll go, yeah, that is the best thing to do in this scenario, but because of the way he delivered the message, I can't go along with it, and I've got to fight it. Right. Your pride gets in the way. Uh, pride is, I guess, one way to, to describe it. I would say, again, the, I think the better term is... Stupidity? It's, it's who I define myself as, and and I'm, I cling to that more than anything else. Integrity? Yes, my personal integrity. Your prideful you, integrity. <laughs> it's just his alignment. <laughs> uh, Curtis, what about you? Remember, kids and family don't count. Yeah, that's an easy answer. Come on. I want you to think about this. Oh, I know. Your facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my wife that clings to that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's it's because the ship really becomes Mal's identifying thing. Yes. Isn't it? Right. It's his touchstone to the world. Yeah. It, it's how he represents himself. Yes. It's how he almost the embodiment of himself beyond his body. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it allows the great theme song of Firefly to happen. The ship does. Yeah. And I tell you, if I had a spaceship, I'd probably say that. If I had a spaceship. Because <laughs> that would be awesome. Okay. I, don't, I can't think of anything myself. Um, I like Joey's answer. Uh, John's answer was good. Curtis... Didn't answer. Copped out. Yeah, copped out on that. But uh, all good answers. Think about that in yourself. Um, at one point, I will be coming along and stealing that item from you <laughs> and uh, testing just how much you truly care for it. That's yeah. going to be an awesome day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could think of a physical object presently. I mean, I think I'm fortunate enough to to not have to have that physical object. Uh, or not to that th that my thing isn't something that I'm kind of burdened with physically. Yeah, but, I mean there are a lot of things I care about, obviously. But and and that's actually probably the safer, better thing, because someone could take Mal's ship. Right. They almost do here in this yeah. episode. They can't take your personal integrity, mm -hmm. that feeling deep down in yourself that identifies who you are and what you believe. They might. They could probably torture it out of me. <laughs> I'll say that. Because I'm a weak person, but, you know, 
it'd be harder than just stealing my shit. Yeah. Was, yeah. Okay. Um, they wash goes and says, "Hey, I'll uh, I'm gonna go quickly install a button. All you have to do is press this button. It'll call us all back." <laughs> Does everybody know the story? I do. I wasn't sure if anybody else did. I was hoping to. I talk read about it, it once on some post that listener fish had sent to me this this was in the commentary by the way was it okay yes. would well, you want to tell it then okay i'll tell it really because i didn't listen to the commentary because they did. they said it, I, I probably know just as much as you do um the the button in the story it calls everybody back um automatically so they can come back because everything is going to be solved and they can go about their merry way again um apparently after firefly had ended and i i believe it's when um joss whedon was like trying to do the movie, um, and trying to uh, get Firefly going again. Uh, he started up the process. He got a package from Alan Tudyk. Inside the package was the actual prop button that okay. Alan Tudyk had taken off the set as like his little souvenir kind of thing of the show. And it just said, it was just a little note that said, it was, wasn't it the exact line? It, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if it was the, it may have been the exact line, but it was just the effect of okay, push this when you're ready for us, and we'll be back, kind of thing. Yeah. So, really great story. No, I, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. That's cool. One it really of the highlights. highlights how um, strongly bonded that cast was. Yeah. Which I love hearing about. Yeah. Because you know, I mean, I've been on sets before, and you know, you hear things, and it, and it's. I mean, not always that way. Yeah, <laughs> filming is is grueling, and people hate each other, and their egos, and their understandable egos, you know, because it, you know, comes down to your career and your yeah. money and and all sorts of things that lawyers get into and everything. But to hear stuff like that, you're just like, oh, it is a nice world after all. <laughs> there are good points. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely think that led to the. Um, I guess there wasn't an immediate popularity, but definitely a, the strong loyal cult following. I think that the chemistry of that cast has, has uh, been a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Going back into the show, that uh, salvage ship shows up. They're basically going to, okay, we're going to steal you know, this Firefly from before, you. Before the ship shows up, well, as the ship is showing up, Mal is, he's kind of dozing, he's cold, he's running low on oxygen, and at this point he you know he he, he kind of wakes up the the things going cutting in and out and he wakes up and he looks over and, and it's just static and I, you know at this point i thought that had got to be that's got to be like one of the worst sensations there where you're you're waking up you're like oh someone's here to save me and you look over and it's just static it's hmm. just a dream i was just hallucinating it because i'm low on oxygen and i'm slowly freezing to death here that had to be just a, a terrifying heart gut-wrenching moment for him when he looked over and it was just static. And I think that they play that very, very well in that scene right there. Excellent scene. Uh, okay, so they show up and he's like, hey, I just I just need a part. Can you help me out? And he's like, what? You need that part? That's nothing. He's like, ain't nothing till you ain't got it. Uh, essentially, I don't remember the exact line, but it's right. It, it's, it's a really critical thing when that's the thing that's broken that's keeping you from being able well, to and go. And the same thing applies to your engine. A catalyzer is a, a pretty important part, right? <laughs> if you don't have a catalyzer, you're not going to make it very far. Um, so anyway, they come in, they shoot Mal. This is where the, the gunshot happens. Um, and 
He manages to grab a spare gun somehow. Good for him. He's well, got his. Uh, James told him that there was a gun down in the, the dock area. Why was there a gun there though? Um, I don't remember, but there. But because I, I don't, I don't even remember that. I, I believe said something you. about there being a gun. For him, oh, it was there was a gun down there, so he could shoot himself. Ah, just end it instead yeah. of hmm. suffocating yeah. to death. Suffocate to death, shoot yourself. Shoot myself. You'd commit suicide? Yeah. I think suffocate sounds pretty, like, doesn't sound that bad, you know? Pretty nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right, slowly. Let's run a little experiment okay. here, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to choke you a little bit. Not a lot, just a little bit. We're, we need no. a safety word. No, 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 no. Gosh, Joey, get the plastic bag. <laughs> it is a terrifying feeling. To suffocate. Well, it's I've, different than if somebody has their hands around your neck than if you just kind of slowly go to sleep and run out of air, don't you think? Okay, that's a question I wanted to have answered, and I was hoping that um, Simon was going to get to explain what happens, but he's stuck. <laughs> We're not going to get to hear it. Oh, yeah. I, right. I wish that we... So I, I have been underwater and had for lack of a better word, a bag around my head, and feeling the air getting thinner and thinner as I'm breathing in and breathing out, it was not It was not the way that it was not a peaceful drifting off to nothing land. It was a terrifying, horrifying experience. And i got to imagine being in serenity with the vacuum of space all around you is probably a fairly similar experience. Right. I, I would not want that ever sounds, again. Sounds nowhere... Nowhere as easy as staring down the barrel of a gun, because I was being sarcastic. It only takes it only takes one second of, of courage yeah. to end it. I see. This is what I would do, unless you do it wrong. <laughs> I, I yeah, and I would do it wrong. I know that. I, I would I would hold the gun and just kind of be like, okay, I'll go five more minutes and then I'll let then I'll kill myself kind of thing. <laughs> if I can just make it through this five minutes, then I'll reward myself. And then when it gets to that point, I'm like. Well, let's see if I can still do this a little bit. <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. But we're forgetting in this uh, discussion, River's line about this says... That we'll freeze it up. We won't... She says we'll freeze it up. Sorry. You ruined the punchline. <laughs> she says... Because she says, she's, talking to, yeah, she's, she's talking, talking to Shepard about it, and so... Yeah, she, and it's, she sounds... And he's... Like faith-promoting. Right, it's like yeah. a faith-promoting moment. She's very hopeful... We're not going to, to die, or we're not going to suffocate. And then she ruins the moment by saying we're going to freeze to death first. So I don't know, freezing to death probably wouldn't be as bad as suffocation. Freezing, yeah, freezing is not that bad from what I've been told. So that's nice. So People that are close to dying from hypothermia reported is, you know, at some point you actually cross over the boundary and you start feeling warm and sleepy and you lay down and you go to sleep and hopefully you never wake up. Okay, well, I'll choose that one then. That sounds good. <laughs> I, I'm just ordering off of the death menu. Okay, if I have to choose one of these, hypothermia, please. <laughs> I just don't I'll know how, how accurate that okay. assertion was. Okay. That's my thing. Okay, anyway, Mal manages to uh, get the part put back in. Uh, oh, we also, this is how we meet Jane. Uh, Mal <laughs> talks him into... I love that scene. You know, basically saying, hey, I'll pay you more. And you get an even share, and it sets up and the private room. episode really well. Yeah, it does. Yes, it does. I, I, I don't know about Jane actually shooting his boss 
before he closed the deal completely. Because he shoots him and then says, okay, tell me more now. <laughs> seems like he pretty much committed at that point. Well, he certainly could have just killed both of those guys and taken 100% of the cut and not gone with That's true. I didn't think of that. Yeah. That could have been interesting. Okay, <laughs> I don't have anything more to talk about. Uh, so after Mal sticks the catalyzer back in the engine, there's this giant switch he has to throw. Huh? Okay, earlier in the in the scene in the in the episode when Kaylee fixed the the engine with the part she had noticed when she was down on her back before, there was no giant switch that needed to be thrown. It was, it was just as soon as she hooked it all up, it was going. So I'm assuming that that must be something Kaylee installed. She just felt like the engine needed a big on switch. Maybe it was already <laughs> switched to on. It, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It was switched to on when she stuck it in. That's right, Joey. All right, and then. Uh, the scene in the medical bay when Mal wakes up and everybody's gathered around him and he looks over and, and Wash is there giving him a transfusion and, <laughs> and Zoe's still kind of out of it but she, you know, she, she's the one to recognize that he's there. The, the way that scene is played by the actors and the way the scene is written, the lines of dialogue and stuff like that is probably one of my top five all-time TV moments. And for that, this is my favorite episode of Firefly, by oh, far. By, nice. I mean, it's not even close. If they, if I, if I had no other episode of Firefly and just out of gas, I'd be fine with that. Interesting. You're welcome. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that, that to me, the I'm whole, done, the whole entire show, that that is the pivot point of the whole show, where it goes from they were so antagonistic and they hate each other and everything, going into that. And that is the moment where they really start to feel like a family. Now, Ariel's going to kind of belie that just a little bit, but it is it is a pivotal moment for the whole series, in my opinion. And, and I just I love the way it's played, especially Mal's, like, because, you know, he was kind of, I, I get the sense, maybe I'm the only one, but I get the sense that all the flashbacks was Mal reliving. I mean, he was, he was kind of hallucinating as he's, you know, he's, Dying. Yeah, he's blowing yeah. oxygen, he's bleeding out, he just shot himself full of adrenaline. So he's, in his mind, as he's crawling around the, the ship, or stumbling around the ship, he's reliving all these moments. And as he's just ready to go back asleep after realizing, okay, I've been saved, they're all back here, everyone's okay, there's that moment of terror where he sits back up and says, now you guys are all going to be here when I wake up, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be here. And he's like, okay, that's good. And then he can lay back and relax and let go. Mm -hmm. It's nice to see that he doesn't have just the ship anymore. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's more than just the physical object of the ship. It's all his crew now. And we'll definitely see that in the next episode, how he feels about the crew. Uh, okay, listener comment? Yes? Yes. Okay. Out of gas. Feu. Junk. This is Mal's episode. <laughs> Tim Minier wrote a great one here. Not only does he use words like uh, whinge and phrases like suss out, the narrative structure is also interesting, with the character flashbacks all connecting to one another as if they were a steady cerebral current within Mal. All the memories are of transitions for Mal and Serenity. That's another thing I dig about this teleplay. Almost every scene happens aboard Serenity. It's almost as if she is telling the tale of how her crew found each other. Mm. 
I also like how Kaylee uses sex to get near the ship's engine. I love that Mal calls her a prairie harpy. And I am going to try to add that uh, to add that one to my ever-expanding fodder of Firefly phrases I wish to introduce into everyday speech. And, o- and if only Wash could have kept the sweet stash throughout the series. This, epi- this episode obviously gets high sci-fi points. I also feel that this episode accomplishes one of my favorite Western themes, digging oneself out of one's own grave. That's what Mal does here. And so does Serenity. Sci-Fi 9, TV 10, Western 8. Wow. I'd say the, the thing I like most about it is the fact that Mal isn't ever actually able to dig himself out of the grave completely. It's the fact that there are other people who love him and care about him that at the end is ultimately what saved him. Hmm. But I like the analogy. Okay. Is that it? That is it. Okay, Pete. Television rating. I originally wrote seven, but in talking about this so much, it really is fun and interesting, and it's dramatic, and it's telling us all about the crew and how they get together. I'm going to go ahead and say eight. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling the mood right now. An eight. Oh, I'm going to go with... Uh, it's got to be a nine or a ten. This is a great episode. I remember watching it on broadcast TV, and it um, was really cool because they showed the episodes out of order, so everything was always chaotic, trying to figure out what the heck was going on with the show, and it was really neat getting to know the characters finally, kind of getting their backstory. Where did this originally show? Do you remember? um, I don't remember the the broadcast order that it It showed. It was Fox, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on Fox. I meant what order was the same. Oh, oh, gosh, I... Yeah. End of that question, I totally <laughs> I, I think it was before Ariel. So Ariel comes after this. Okay. John, TV rating? Oh, that's me? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with 10. Um, it's it's the best episode of Firefly, I think. I've always loved this episode, ever since the first time I saw it. The, the, there are three timelines that throw, flow through the course of this, and each one of them is riveting in its own way and i do love how like the distant past has that gleamy orange yellowish look to it um the present is the stark blue and the kind of the the recent past is a is a little bit more normal um and just we've met we've met a little bit of like mal and zoe in the first one we met everyone else in that first episode and meeting Everyone in this episode, each little story was just so charming and so kind of beautiful in its own way, like having all the, the relationship come together. It's, it's my favorite episode. What can I say? You know, you, 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 I love that you and I are so often on the same page about these kind of things because mm-hmm. you stole one of my favorite, one of the things I wanted to point out, which is right. the past is golden, right? Mm, yeah. That's why I think it's Mal's consciousness that we're seeing because the past has this beautiful warm golden light in it and the present is so stark and cold and and just bitter looking mm-hmm. and then the the events immediately preceding the present are well you know that's that's what just happened it's it's very fresh in my mind it's very and so it's just you know normal colors and, and things like that I, I think the way they did that it was just such a, a great hint to the audience to show us Okay, right now you should be feeling very warm about this scene. You should be 
you know, don't, don't, you know, let some of that tension that we were just giving you, let some of it go. Feel good about this scene because this is something very nice and beautiful we're about to see happen here. Mm -hmm. Mal meeting Inara for the first time. Mal meeting Jane for the first time. You know, and and to hint the audience in the right direction. And then, okay, now we're back into tension just with that subtle shift of, of the way they filmed it. I yeah. thought it was, was very cool. I give this a 10. Like I said, this is probably, if I sat down and made a list, this would probably end up in my top five things ever to show on, a tel on television. I just could never go 10. I, I just don't think it rises to the level of previous shows that I have given a 10, I just don't think it's there okay. for me. For me, it's it's right up there yeah. with Noel. I would have a hard time. If yeah, you asked me to pick I, between I, this and Noel, I'd no. have trouble. Yeah, no. Okay, certainly a favorite, for Science sure. Fiction. This uh, is better than Noel. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's no inner light. Yeah, that's true. Um, being goofy there. Um, Sci-fi, I, I wrote, again, I wrote a 7. I don't know if I was just like so still annoyed and pissed off from the terrible week I've been having, but I don't think it's a seven. I, I don't. I'm gonna say eight again for science fiction. Okay. Curtis. Um, you know, I'm not entirely sure how your science fiction scale works. Just however you feel. <laughs> no, nobody else. Nobody else is. <laughs> I don't think that matters. Um. It's funny watching this because I, I I kind of felt like. It didn't really need to be science fiction. I think we talked about that. We talked about that before the podcast a little bit about mm -hmm. um, whether something, you know, what what constitutes a science fiction show, and uh, so much of the story didn't need to be science fiction. And then we nitpicked the uh, moving through space <laughs> part of it. So I just I don't know how um, how I don't I won't, I wouldn't really give this a high science fiction rating. So maybe a six. Okay. Yeah. That's actually what I wrote down. Just kind of thinking about it, you know, because. Uh, like, like as I was as as we were talking, um, like I'm like I'm gonna give this show a ten because I didn't write any notes down because I just sat down and watched it and loved it. I didn't really write anything down, uh, and I'm like if 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 someone can think of something that they could bring to my attention as why I would like this a little bit less than a ten, I'll I'll bring it down for television. Um, but we just. Instead, I found myself defending it for science fiction things that aren't explained very well in the show itself. So, um, yeah, it, it's it, it's a six. There are spaceships, though, and there's the vortex of fire. <laughs> I, I, I give it a seven. I, I think that one of the things that you have to give it some credit for, besides the fact that it's spaceships, is the the effect of... And you're right, it doesn't have to be science fiction, but the effect of the vacuum being all around them, like the, the presence of the vacuum and how it becomes almost a character in the it's story. It's a constant thing. killer. It's following them at every right. moment of their journey. And, and I, I think without either that or being under the sea or something similar, I think this whole story falls apart pretty fast. And so I, I, you know, I give this high props for science fiction. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to give it a 7, I think, is where I'm going to end up. Uh, Pete, did you give a Western rating? No. Okay. John, did you want to give a Western rating? I'll this is your it. idea. <laughs> and, and you guys are going to scream, but I'm going to go up on Western from science fiction. Um, I'm going to give it an eight for Western. It wouldn't be a podcast with John without a weird scale that makes no sense to anyone but John. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying I found this more of a Western than a science fiction okay. movie. Specifically, um, first of all, we meet everybody planet side, um, measuring character, like Stranger comes into town, deal's going on, you kind of got to measure people up. And then in the middle, 
I think, a very Western standoff of, of measuring, you know, with with the people he meets. Oh, okay. Like you're 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 uh, you know you're in the desert. Almost you know, like a Magnificent Seven kind of get together. Um. Yes, and Magnificent Seven. Yes, yes. Um. I didn't think that. Thank you for rolling your eyes a few seconds no. ago, and then <laughs> when you explained it like that, I I can see how the themes would come from a western. Because it is I, I, it I is totally kind of funny because I was explaining a completely different aspect of the of of, of the <laughs> western in in that uh, uh you know like something we'd see in like like a a Sergio Leone movie right it was spaghetti western was hanging yeah. higher yeah like you know d- d- desolate you know someone um. You know, like, say, like, you know, there's the stories like, okay, I need water. Why would I help you? Well, I know where gold is kind of thing. And you kind of have to judge and kind of play poker with the people you meet who are helping you um, because it's the West. It's lawless. You have to behave that way around everybody. And I think that was really done well with, uh, you know, the scariness of, yes, it's the open space, but it's also the West. When they do find someone, they have to behave as if it's a Western and they do. Okay. That's a good point. Curtis, do you have a Western rating? Yeah, I gave it an 8 also. You know, uh, I had initially given it a 1, but after hearing John talk for a while, I'm coming up to a 3. I I, I think you you swayed me. There is some aspect of what I was Oh, good. You swayed him a whole (laughs) 2. I will say, really quick, hey, this is another Tim Minier episode. It is. Um, Last time I was here, you know, we did Bushwhack. We loved that one. That was all his, and... Gotta say, Tim, if you're out there, maybe you should get more credit for Joss on some of the best Firefly elements. Moving on to our next episode, Ariel. When Simon hires the crew of the Serenity to help him break into a hospital so he can run tests on River, Jane betrays them to the Alliance. Ah. Okay. Um, I don't want to forget this quote because I forgot another quote from the last episode. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot a quote from the last episode, too. Can we say quote? Should we do that now? Let's just do that now. I would love to. Okay, John, you go first. Okay. We don't want to steal from you. Um, this might be your quote. That's okay. Uh, it's uh, when um, uh, when Mal is introducing Zoe to uh, Serenity. Uh, he goes, no, this is, he's quoting what the used ship salesman <laughs> said to him. He's like, oh, no, you have a ship like this. It'll be with you till the day you die. And she says, that's because it's a death trap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's so good. My Uh, favorite part of that exchange is actually, what's that, sir? Well, it's freedom, Zoe. No, no, no. I mean, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) Something used to live here, I guess. (laughs) Joey, did you have any quotes you wanted to share? Um, I like that you buy this ship, you'll treat her proper, she'll be with you the rest of your life. Fortunately, it turns out he's not talking about Serenity. He's talking about a different ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see. I seen the troubled plains day when I was down there my back before, <laughs> and uh, y'all gonna be here when I wake up. Uh, I actually quoted a few of the different lines, so I'm not gonna redo them. But the one I did miss out on was, I prefer something with a few miles on it, <laughs> from Kaylee. Okay. Uh, I thought that was nice. At least. From a guy who's 34. Uh, Okay, let's move on. Uh, And again, because I don't want to miss out on uh, the quotes here. Um, Jane says, "Mm, smells like crotch. (laughs) 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 Relating to something that Simon cooked? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, something Chinese, probably. <laughs> something protein based, because yeah. that's all they have, really. Um, okay, 
River slices up Jane. Awesome. And her comment is, he looks better in red. Just <laughs> so matter of fact. He, yeah. he, he looks better in red. Uh, that's... What, I, I what is him. it that she picked up? Uh, a kitchen knife. It was a kitchen knife. Yeah. Was, uh, um, Jane is sharpening his, his blade up there, and they're talking about, okay, no one's getting off on Ariel. This is a terrible place. You know, it's the epitome of what the alliance is. It's a core world. Don't do it. Sounds like Ryza, a little bit. <laughs> oh, I miss Ryza. <laughs> anyway, um, so she wanders over. Like, she's watching Jane, and she goes and picks up a knife and slowly walks over to him and cuts him right up the chest. Nothing, like, that's going to kill him, but... Still, it's it a nice deep yeah. yeah, it would suck. No one's gonna want to get a, a wound like that. Yeah. If if he if there was a nipple in there somewhere, it would have been like <laughs> would have healed funny. <sighs> okay, great. Um, that's that's what this podcast is missing is <laughs> more nipples. nipple jokes. The, wor- the word nipple. Um, <laughs> okay, companion checkups. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. It's like the most utilitarian, like spot-on way to go thing that they've done in this is the the girl that's running around the universe, whoring herself out. Let's go ahead and get her checked at least once a year, please. <laughs> someone, I feel like they're maybe they ought to be doing it a little more, more often than that. Yeah, that's what I feel. Granted. They get to choose whoever they want to be with, and so I would imagine there's some sort of like medical uh, report that they have to give to say, yeah, I'm a clean person. You know, that's one of the things that they have to pass. But still, I, I choose to believe that there's a difference between what the companion does for her own health care and what's required for her to maintain her certification. Yeah, so she sure. probably gets regular checkups and, and makes sure that she's disease-free uh, on a regular basis. Uh, agreed. Absolutely. But still, at some point, all of these sexually transmitted diseases had to have started somewhere, somehow. I'm not sure how they happened. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Sorry about the herpes. Connery is my fault. I'll take the blame on that one. <laughs> but not anal warts. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anyway, really glad wow. you made that comment. <laughs> I mumbled it, so there's a good chance nobody understood it anyway. Uh, okay, <laughs> my, my point is, they had to be created somehow at some point. Mm-hmm. So, nowadays it's sort of like, you really only kind of get it if you sleep with somebody that already had it. Unless there's some like weird medical percentage of people out there who would just randomly contract some STD. Well, there's there's other ways to get it, right? I mean, like, transfer of body fluids can happen in, in other ways. For example, you're, you know, you're at the scene of a crime and blood gets spattered on you. Absolutely. I'm just saying four, five, six thousand years ago, this disease, these set of diseases happened. Mm-hmm. And so, was it just some mutation, do you think? That caused these to happen. I'm just curious. I'm just curious I, as I, to how they happened. 
I've I've always suspected that it probably. Oh no! Don't don't say okay. it, everyone. Don't. I'm saving you from something bad that's about to happen. You can thank me if later. If I can't finish the sentence, you know it was inappropriate. Let's just put it that way. I think we all know the end. What you were gonna say, and I've had that same thought. Okay. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Um, I'm sorry I brought this up. I'm sorry, and sorry. you're welcome. We should have um, some kind of sexologist on to explain it to us. <laughs> oh, brother. Um, Simon has a job. Yeah. He's like, hey, guys, He's I'm your next client. medical supplies. <laughs> right. Um, He's a good salesman. I like that. Yeah. I wrote down a quote, zero, zero, zero synchronizers? Oh, ooh, <laughs> ooh, synchronizers. Okay, ooh, okay. Oh. Kaylee saying when they're going <laughs> through, through, the, through the trash. The trash. Yeah. Uh, wow, that is so embarrassing of me that I thought. What is zero 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 synchronizers? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. He's complaining about sh- not being able to go shopping and then getting excited at finding a part. Yeah. Yes. Pete, I always draw a little diagonal line through my zeros, so exactly that doesn't happen. Yeah. Just a recommendation. I do the diagonal line when I've got something that has letters and numbers in it. Okay. But when it's just letters, I assume I'm going to manage to remember, <laughs> ooh, not, hmm, zero, zero, zero? zero? What, what was I thinking there? Who who said that in the, in the episode? <laughs> God, what a dummy I am. Um, it's pretty convenient that they find the, uh, the shuttle, the perfect... Shuttle for exactly yeah, what they need. Only took him what? And it was a like couple of hours. All he had yes. to do was turn around. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like it was off hidden somewhere. It was right there, plain as day. And yeah. the thing is apparently fully functional. Which I at the at the time that I watched this, I had a problem. And I'm like, oh wow, that's convenient. Yeah. It works perfectly fine. But I could totally get that. In a world-like aerial where everything's supposed to be pristine and perfect and of the highest quality, that they would totally be like, yeah, this has got a scratch on it, or it's the it's the old model, we're going to get something new. And so, I, just I think I just realized something. Care. Well, because I, I kind of wrote down, I'm like, I, I guess all those ambulance things are the same. I was kind of wondering, you know, maybe it would be easier, since they have two shuttles on board, to kind of paint one of those to just look like an ambulance. But maybe that wouldn't fly because I guess if I painted my car to look like an ambulance, it would look like an ambulance. Um, <laughs> we'll spray paint a big red cross yeah, right yeah. in the middle of it. Yeah, you need a ride to the hospital. Come on, in. I will get you there. <laughs> get a red sharpie and write ambulance backwards on the yeah, line. yeah. <laughs> but I, I thought <laughs> you should totally do that sometime. That would be great. I should. I'll do that tomorrow. Sure. Well, yeah. No. Uh, uh, because they had two days there, I assume like the prep day required uh, Kaylee to fix whatever they found, and she could fix it way better than the Alliance can, because that was that has been said before. Right. Um, so I I wouldn't be surprised if they just if they used the shell of the ambulance and and they had like their working shuttle components that they either fabricated sent, yeah, what they needed together something like that. You know, yeah. cause they had that day to do that. Okay, plausible plausible reason as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Learning medical lingo. Um, which probably has to be just as tough as technobabble. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, because it's just as complex, and if you say the wrong things, 
people are going to look at you and say, you don't know what you're talking what? about. What? His <laughs> eye is dilapidated. <laughs> I love how, like, because the, the, the words that Mal seemed to, he used um, cynical instead of cyclical. And dilapidated instead of dilated. Uh, just kind of showing, like, Mal is a master of just associating with people and reading people and kind of, like, that kind of thing. But this other world, he kind of uses terms from his other world and he can't quite cross over as well. Anyway, it's pretty funny. I, I wrote down the quote, uh, if I wanted schooling, I would have gone to school from Jane, who clearly is suffering. And, and I find this so interesting that in a society where... These guys could easily fly a ship across the universe. They have trouble with something as simple as, you know, some medical terminology trying to memorize it. Well, it's a trucker. I don't know. Truckers. I, yeah, I, I, I get that. But it's still... I don't think Jane flies any ship. across the universe. Well, we talked about in Janestown. He flew off of the, the planet... Mm. He got off of there, we'll and it was a, just him. Yeah, take a semi back to the Middle Ages. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I think it's comparable. I, Nobody else I has a good enough reason except for Curtis, so I guess... I, I, I just think, that. you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's just two different worlds. He He's very familiar with the world of spaceships, but he never had any reason to bother learning in a completely different field. Maybe it's just a little bit of that field, but... Every every word that he has to say is something he's unfamiliar with. Yeah, I, I just look at it, uh, you know, it's like the Wild West, you know? This, this is a Western, it's a space Western. There were a lot of people who learned a trade, a particular trade, very, very well, and it didn't matter how technical that trade was, they didn't have a formal understanding of things that would have made learning these term, this terminology easy. Sure. I think we've all agreed that you know, there's a difference between book learning and... Hey, I'm going to figure this thing out, and I know how to do it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Although I, I think it's hilarious that they spend all that time rehearsing that. Yes. And they, they don't even ask him. I'm all that practice for nothing. All that practice for nothing. And, and, and the, funny, the funniest part to me is that Simon didn't think about that. He's been in that position. He knows those people are overworked. You know. Do, does he, though? Because he's the surgeon. He's not the one receiving them at the door. But he had to do. He had to do. An, had to have done an internship at some point. I think Simon was thinking yeah, he better was safe a, than he sorry. Was a rich yeah, guy. yeah. He was probably in a really nice hospital. I, I, I think. I think it may have crossed Simon's mind that, you know, they would. They would let them go through automatically. But he okay. wasn't going to tell them that. He just. He wanted to make sure they yeah, were prepared. Yeah, and for I, it. I didn't mean it as a criticism of the mm -hmm. of the writing. I think it was fine to write it that way. I found it amusing. Like to have Simon sure. uh, spend all this time preparing these guys, yeah. where some in the back of his mind he's going, "Yeah, they're never going to use this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Jane is and very Jane is right. great at doing the the straight, you know, deer in the headlights. He just blurts it out because that's what he's been drilling into his head. Yeah, he he, he gave it away. Really, yeah, I mean, he really did. It, it was if I were if I were her and I wasn't so busy, I'm like. Okay, well, you're not really, really who you say you are. <laughs> yeah. Now I know that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've said it before, I'm sure I'll say it many, many more times in my life, but there's one thing my, my previous life of crime taught me, which is that 
90% of getting away with something is acting like everything's perfectly normal. Yep. Mm-hmm. You belong. Yep. You absolutely belong in that world. Okay. Uh, I, speaking of you in the crime world, you're, okay. you're a criminal. Yeah. Um, Jane, it turns out, is trying to betray the Tams. At some point, he got in touch with the, uh, the authorities there, and so this is all part of the elaborate plan for Jane is to trick them into getting caught. Um, who else was creeped out by the way River's feet are? I didn't notice. You didn't, didn't notice? notice her feet. No. Okay. Go back and rewatch that. Because she's in the, that tube as they're bringing them in, and her... If your feet normally sit like this, like my arms are you know, where my legs are and my hands are my feet... They're making 90 degree angles. She's almost like this. She points her toes? It's like super creepy weird. I was freaked out by it. Okay. The actress has a formal dance training. as like a ballerina. It could be why. Still, it's just like the way that they are bent over in this like really, really awkward angle. And she held it for more than just a couple seconds. Did you write down the minute on no. there? When that <laughs> That's about the middle of the episode, though, I feel Popping like. Popping it up in Netflix right now. Um, okay. 3D hologram scans. That's awesome. We're not that far away from it. Well, I don't think we are. Because the number of house episodes I've watched where they're like, okay, let's, let's do an MRI and, and you know, let's get a, a scan of what's going on in there. Seems like we're really pretty close. Obviously, that scan is doing something else. It's more in depth. And it's really, really cool that, you know, 10 years ago, they were able to do things like, you know, pivot stuff around and move. Like, that was a big deal 10 years ago, I think. Yeah. But I feel like medically, I think we're coming up on that. Yeah. That seems a lot farther away. Maybe 20 years from now. The place where we're still so short, and there's just not even anybody even doing realistic research in the area, is the projection of light beams into midair and, and having them stop at a point that it becomes a coherent image. There's just nobody even really doing serious research on that right now. Okay, and, and Aaron, I think scientists have let us down. If you're listening, that is your next assignment. <laughs> Still waiting for my Star Wars hologram. <laughs> <laughs> help me, Obi-Wan, can I be your my yeah. only hope? Yeah, exactly. Well, didn't they, didn't they bring back uh, Tupac? Yeah. Form, so yes, that's something. They're getting oh, close. Oh yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, they did a concert with a with Tupac, and he was there in, as a hologram. He's not dead though. Yeah. Dead no, it's a, it's a hoax. <laughs> okay. Did we miss it already? <laughs> no, I think it's it's right at this scene. Okay. We're watching for feet. You can keep talking if you want. Now there's something. Do you think we're ever gonna move to video phones? Because I. Because my phone can do that right now. It has a camera on the front. Yeah, I can do FaceTime. I, I don't. I just don't see it ever becoming a widespread I don't technology. want that. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, is I think most people are... I think there's always going to be audio or video. Okay, here we go. It might be a generational thing. I don't know. Okay. I, I think most people don't like doing video phone calls because they're worried about what they look like. Right there. Oh, yeah. So did you see... Look at that. So her yeah. toes are just extended, yeah. Like when she's sitting up, her toes are extended. Yeah. 
That that is unusual. Like it, like her entire shin is completely level with where her feet are pointing. Yep. She's a bunhead feet. Okay, Curtis is creepy too. <laughs> you can't do that. I don't think so. Oh, I can't do it as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think so. It's all in the angle. All right. Well, two of the four of us here are creepy. John and I are normal. <laughs> all right, Joey, I'm creepy again. Right. <laughs> Grow your requisite mustache. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm so tired of being normal. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the 3D scan, Simon's like, oh my gosh, they have cut into her brain so many times. Her to the point that she feels everything. Well, they removed her amygdala. Whatever that thing is. Yes. It's gone, and so this is causing her to literally feel everything. Which is explaining why it is that she is... So, like, out there sometimes. She can't control, and, like, anxiety or negative emotions. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's just always flooding at her. Yeah. Um, which has got to suck, really. I thank the stars that I can, you know, bottle everything up inside and, and not be the, the weirdo. And I feel like that we should lay that Diane DeGarmo song underneath that line. <laughs> Don't cry out loud. <laughs> take your bat to a field pool of weeds. Seriously, she wasn't the one that came up with I that know, song. I know, but this is the only person I've ever heard sing it. <laughs> uh, I find it creepy that uh, you're following, uh, you know, young girls from American Idol that I much. You know, American Idol. It's... I know. Okay. <laughs> We're all shaking our heads at Joey right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shaking my head at Pete for the record. <laughs> <laughs> According to Dee Dee, Pete, uh, Joey and I are the same. <laughs> so you're really shaking I'm, your head at Joey. I'm going to have to disagree with Dee Dee on that. <laughs> so they get caught, and uh turns out Jane is double-crossed. Because they wake up, and Jane's like, Oh, yeah, plan change. Uh, we we got to go out the back way. So they go out the back way. That's where the, you know, the people arrest them. And Simon's like, Oh, man, if it hadn't been for... If you'd have had your gun, I'm sure you would have been able to rescue us. <laughs> Good try anyway. Yeah. Thank you. And Jane is Very feeling innocent. Yeah, like uh, uh, like an idiot now. Um, anyway, they take them off to a holding cell. They, with only two of them, that seems silly, but I guess whatever. They were handcuffed up, so they wouldn't expect them to do that. Jane fights them off a bit. And uh, they're able to... Jane kills one, and the other one is incapacitated. And so they're on the run. And let's see here. I, I love the, the way the clinical doctor, who's, you know, we, we kind of think of as... A wuss? Soft. Mm-hmm. Is able to take care of his guy fairly quickly, and without much fuss, and without killing him. Well, Jane has to have this long, drawn-out, I'm going to beat you to death very slowly uh, <laughs> battle. The blunt instrument versus the scalpel. That's right. <laughs> um, anyway, so Mal figures out, oh my gosh, they're stuck in there, they, they're in trouble, and so they get back into the hospital and they're running around. They're moving around inside of a stairwell. That should be the title of the podcast. The blunt instrument versus the scalpel. <laughs> okay. So 
Ja, ja, ja. instrument. You all can fight over the scalpel. <laughs> so they're running around, and they're again, they're trying to be secretive. So what are they doing in the stairwell? What is Mal doing? He's shouting. Oh, okay. Once again, we have, just like in the West Wing, one of the biggest pet peeves I have, which is, don't tell anybody this, but let's talk about it in the hallway and talk really loudly, but don't let anybody know about this. <laughs> that, that bugs me. Shouting, if you're in disguise, shouting is its own way of being inconspicuous. Because if you're trying to be inconspicuous, then it's more noticeable. Okay, but he's shouting about the things that he's hoping people, like, that people would hear and say, wait, why are you shouting about that? Mm -hmm. Why you don't sound normal? That's not a normal thing to be complaining about. Anyway, I, it just bugged me. It was another West Wing uh -huh, thing uh -huh. where I was like, Seriously, did no one think about this? Uh -huh. <laughs> because I wouldn't be shouting and screaming about that. I'd be whispering. But I swear I'm going to put him on the bench. But nobody tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. My favorite line from this is River saying, In fear and panic, they're here. Because it's... The two guys with the hands of blue, and I love them. Is it the same two guys? Same two guys. Oh, cool. Which, I don't know if you if we mentioned this on the podcast before, but I swear to God, one of those guys looks just like you. Yeah, you know, you did say that. Okay. I should have watched this time. <laughs> Every time I see that guy, I'm like, God, that looks a lot like John I, I think, yeah, I know which guy you're talking about. He's got a weird hair kind of thing going. And what's really awesome is they're carrying around these death sticks... <laughs> Which make you bleed from apparently every Everything. pore. <laughs> Just start bleeding. Well, I don't know about every pore, but every, every orifice. Air force, yeah. yeah. Well, I said pore because uh, around the cuticles of your fingernails, it's not really an orifice. It, it's more. It's more so like it, it's not skin. It's like pretty much not where the skin is covering. It's it's openings. It's creepy. Really? Yes. Yeah. And it's disturbing how they manage yeah. to come up with something that kills you. I would think that you would, if they have this much skill, they would come up with something that, you know, just well, just kills them and they fall over dead. The, the, they don't <laughs> have to go with the one yeah. that, like, causes a massive mess of blood yeah. everywhere. It's like, uh, well, I mean, it's like, okay, okay, you two are starting a super secret evil organization uh it's gonna we're gonna cut up psychics brains um and uh you know so obviously you're gonna have to get your hands dirty Go here's on. your gun yes do you have anything more horrifying because that's really what we need because that's a real big part of it the kind of horrifying nature of what we do give us yeah the, and, and throw in some weird blue gloves <laughs> kind of how it went down I the, think. the thing that this the thing that this episode really makes me fascinated about these characters with the blue hands is how that thing didn't affect them yes know? that's the part that. that always makes me go so what is it that makes them so special yeah yeah that's which what... frustrates me because i don't think we're going to see them through any of the rest of the episodes i think we're done uh, with spoiler. with the I guys see them one more time it might be like an iocane like gas, like that, <laughs> through the, through the air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. 
Yeah. Uh, did they ever address that in the comic books? Did, did they ever talk about these characters in any of the Serenity comic books? Uh, there was a they show up. There was a free issue tie-in between the, the series and the movie, and it the, it kind of deals with um, the crew defeating them, but it doesn't really give much explanation mm-hmm. about it. It yeah. frustrated me because we're not going to see them in the movie, and I really wanted to see I feel it. Like I wanted these them characters to be the bad guys. could make a good comic book series, kind of like a Dark Reign Marvel kind of thing, yeah. where the villains are the main characters. I, I, I think this Actually, could be a you were talking about the blue gloves and the, just how creepy they are and how unnecessary their death machine is. It kind of reminded me of comic books where. Why do the superheroes always run around in these flamboyant costumes? Well, of course, in a comic book, it's to kind of differentiate them from the other people, and that's I think that's the same. I mean, that's the same reason why it is that way in the television, because these people are supposed to inspire fear and terror and also fascination in you as you as you watch the, the show. Accomplished that, yeah, and <laughs> definitely, you know, like the blue gloves. Why are they wearing blue gloves? What does that mean? And the are they wearing gloves? <laughs> I choose to believe that their hands are blue. Their hands are blue. <laughs> <laughs> Guess that's what yeah. she says. <laughs> don't, we don't know Too for sure if those are. Yeah. So, um, they manage to escape. Mal comes to their rescue. They get away. They're back on the ship, and River or Simon's like, oh, you should have Jane, seen Jane. He was so awesome. He helped us out. Mal knows better. Yep. Hits him with a wrench. <laughs> Jane wakes up on the wrong side of, of the, the hatch, yep. and uh, he has a very heart-to-heart eh, heart, heart conversation, I guess, with him. And he, you really start to, f- you, you feel even more now in this that what happens to his crew affects Mal you did it to directly me. Right? Yeah. with, with his me. lines. He did it to me. Um you I end up where you stand now. I, I, it made me feel good for Jane because he's my favorite character to have him to say, make something else up. Don't tell him what I did. Which, in the end, I think is what saves his life. Yes. And Jane's not probably not smart enough to manipulate Mal in that way. So you yeah. know he's honest yes. when he says that. So, yes, absolutely. That's one of the interesting things about Jane he is completely honest mm-hmm. yeah. with everything that he does. And when he's lying, he's doing it badly. <laughs> he, he's not doing a good there's job. Not, yeah, there's not there's not guile in him. There's just yeah. brute force. Yes. Um, anyway, the, the line that Mal says is, Next time you stab me in the back, have the guts to do it to my <laughs> I face. I love that line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's, it's heartfelt. It's in the moment. It's like strong. But it's like, Wait, what? <laughs> Pete, I promise I, you, when I stab you in the back, I'll do it to your face. <laughs> that means you're going to be hugging me, and I'm yeah. uncomfortable with I that. I was thinking dancing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> dancing. Uh, anyway, uh, that, that's all I had. Well, who, what, what is it from where that quote is, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer, because it's easier to stab them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, listen to comments. Listen to comments. Okay, Ariel. Super awesome heist episode. May May is the Mandarin term for little sister that the doctor uses for River often. I wonder about River's crazy three shot slaying. She seemed to have been instructed not to. Uh, that's I the don't, wrong episode. That's the wrong episode. He's. We'll, we'll, we'll cover that. 
in yeah. another episode. He gives us a sci-fi 4 and a TV 7 and a Western 6, but I'm not sure if he's rating the wrong episode. <laughs> oh, well. Keep up the awesome, horrific coolness, dudes. Ambassador Brainy Smurf. Um, cool. Thanks right. very much. Um, yeah. Joey, television rating. Uh, for television, I give this one a seven. I think it was a, a good episode, strong, but not one of my favorites. Okay, Curtis. Uh, I'd probably give it a six. I actually was not excited when I realized that Ariel was one of the episodes I'd be watching. You get the the hands of blue guys. That's it's really where we get the most yeah. of the mythology that we have about them <laughs> comes out of this one like <laughs> half an episode. Yeah, I I mean I I enjoyed watching it this morning. It was. Better than I remembered, but still probably one of okay. my least favorite of the okay. Firefly episodes. It's tough because it's a heist kind of movie, and we've seen so many really, really good versions of heist movies that sure. it's working against itself maybe a little bit. John, what do you think? Uh, I, I'm i going to go with an 8. I liked it a lot. Maybe because I took two weeks off from watching Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like this episode a lot. Um uh, heist aspects and uh, the the Jane stuff, I really did like. Okay, I agree. I agree with John. I only give this a seven. I really enjoy this episode. I think it's fun. I mm-hmm. think it's good. For science fiction, I gave it an eight. I, I, the the view of a core world, the, all the stuff going on in the hospital, the guys with the hands of blue. I, I think there are so many science fiction elements that come to bear directly on the plot in this episode. I, I give it an 8. Curtis? Uh, I, don't, I'm, I'm just going to give it a 6. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I just don't really like this episode that much. <laughs> <laughs> John, what do you I, think? I, once again, I'm agreeing with Curtis. I, I'm, I'm going to say 6. I think it was great that it, you know we get to see this this planet, but I didn't get the sense that it was this luxurious future planet. I got the sense that they landed on present-day Earth more than anything else. That's kind of the vibe I get. I know it's supposed to be futuristic, but it seemed like, oh yeah, the set of ER, here we go. We we didn't see enough futuristic for you? Not for me. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, we don't get a ton. We see inside the hospital, and really the futuristic stuff that we see is, is that 3D hologram. I give this an 8. I think this is really great science fiction. I had a lot of fun with it. The, a lot of why I give it the sci-fi is because of the 2x2 two two hands of blue guy, guys and the, the, the 3D hologram. I, I, I think it's really, really good. Um, Western? So I, I don't, I'm not quite sure why I gave it a 4. I put a 4 <laughs> down. Uh, the only thing I can think of that's particularly Western-y in it is the standoff between Mal and Jane at the end. And even though it's, you know, I mean, it's using outer space as the device, it, it's it's very much a, you know, the commander to his his subordinate or the, you know, the sheriff to the deputy saying, you know what, this is, this is the way things are going to work. It's my way or the vacuum. <laughs> uh, so I gave it a four. I'm just watching it right now. Maybe I should change my sci-fi <laughs> rating because uh, Jane shoots that air gun thing which is oh that's cool. right yeah. yeah the non-lethal weapon yeah which doesn't work 
<laughs> well, it doesn't work against doors when you're trying to blow the lock off. Yeah. But uh, shoot it at somebody, it certainly incapacitates them. Yeah. You know, it's the next uh, stun gun that's due to come out. Curtis, do you have a Western rating for it? Uh, I'm going to give it a three. I didn't, it doesn't feel nearly as Western as some of the other episodes. John? Thanks I'm feeling your thunder, John. I'm uh, here's what you say. You say, I, I really thought this was very Western. I give it a three. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I'll say that. <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't a very good Western. There should have been more cowboy hats. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I'm giving it a three. But I'm giving it a seven for heist. <laughs> Two. Okay. Does it have any Western themes in it, really? No. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of The Homes Army Presents Trek West 5. We hope that you've learned something, had some laughs, and we always invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. Or you can tweet us at hashtag trekwest5, or call and leave us a voicemail at 801-788-4913. So, until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And thanks for listening.